you probably noticed I got a brand new pair of kicks on this morning. <laughs> I'm going to call them my Sunday kicks. They're going to stay nice and white. And yes, I did wear them on the day of the end of the summer bash, but I brought an extra pair because I knew there was going to be water and mud, so I came prepared. But no, we, we had a good time. We went to uh, Miami, Florida, spent some time with Alan's brother, Todd, and his wife, Stephanie. It was actually both of our anniversaries that week. So we went to celebrate, and we went to the Adidas store where we introduced my brother-in-law to the cloud comfort of Adidas. So, no, really, God is good. We had a good time while we were gone. Uh, we got a chance to just really fellowship. They celebrated 37 years. We celebrated 39. 39, yeah. I know, you're trying to do the math in your head right now, like how old was she when they got married? You know? <laughs> no, I was old enough, but... I just look really young. <laughs> no. It's the shoes, okay? It's the cloud comfort. No, just kidding. No, we we did a we did a couple of fun things. We there's a couple of restaurants we really enjoyed going to when we go to Miami, and we we went to both of those, had a good time, did a lot of laughing and just fellowshipping. But one day we went down to Key Largo to go uh, snorkeling. Has anyone here ever been snorkeling before? Well, I've been several times. So I'm like practically a pro now. No, no, we went down to Key Largo there at the John Pennekamp National Park. They put us, they gave us the fins, they gave us the mast, the, the, the little life preserver, put us on a boat and took us about five miles out to the coral reef. The whole way there, they're giving us the instructions on what to do, you know, what to do if someone falls overboard, what to say. Do you know what you say when someone falls overboard? Right, man overboard. So see, you're already practically ready to go snorkeling. Um, they told us everything to do about the coral reef when you got out there, like what to expect, what to respect, you know, that that's there for us to observe, we're not to touch, you know, that as beautiful as it is, it also can be very dangerous to us as well as to the environment. We don't want to damage the coral. And so they went on, we finally got there, jumped in the water, you know, and I remember thinking as we got into the water, that there's this perspective of once you get in the water and you're, you're kind of floating there and you're seeing everything above the water. And, and it, you know, it's like you see things, but you don't really see things. Something happens though when you put that mask on and you put your face in the water, you begin to see what's under the sea. And there's beautiful life underneath there. But you can't see it if you don't change your perspective. And I want to tell you, that's what the Word of God is this morning. There is a perspective that this is the Word of God, right? We know that. But something happens when we open it and we put our face in it and we start reading, right? We start absorbing the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to do that. This is not something that we just purchase or we have to sit on the shelf. This is something that we need to learn to live by. This year our theme is all the gospel for all the people. So all the gospel, every page in this book is for you and is for me this morning. This is God's spoken word. And why would we not want to know what God had to say? So I want to encourage you over the coming days and weeks and months, you know, we're getting ready to go into God talks. And uh, Jake mentioned a little bit about the fast. We are going to be encouraging you to fast from September the 6th to the 10th. Now, I know that's a lot, isn't it? But... You pray about what God would have you do. And for whatever that is, fasting for you, whatever that God is asking you to do, I just want to pray that you be obedient. 
Pastor Allen's going to be giving some guidance on that, providing some just different things to do during the fast, as well as things to be praying about. And then we're going to come together on the first day of the God Talks and break our fast together. And so I want you to be putting that in your calendar, okay? We tell you this early, okay, so you know, so it's not like, oh, my God, I forgot about the fast, you know. So put it in your calendar. Be ready. God's going to do some incredible things, and I want you to receive everything that God has for you. So this morning, I asked Gary to stay up here this morning because I, last Sunday, Al and I went to a church and had just an incredible service there. And the pastor prayed a prayer, of kind of a preparation prayer, and I want to do that this morning before we read in, in the, before we get into the Word. But just briefly, I want to just remind you, we are in the parables. This has been our summer series. If you've missed any of the weeks, go back and hear them. These are, these are incredible life application stories. These are stories that Jesus shared that are intended to grow us as Christians, to grow us and to give us wisdom. And I want to encourage you to go back and listen. These guys did an incredible job. Uh, Jake and Vanessa and uh, Austin and Amanda a fantastic job over the summer. So go back and listen to those words and, and just allow God to speak into your life. But I want to encourage you this morning as we prepare to go into God's word, I want you to stand because we're going to read God's word. But before we do that, I want to pray. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. I don't want you to think about the person next to you or... I don't want you to think about what's happening after service right now. I just want us to take a moment to prepare our hearts, to prepare our mind, to prepare our spirit to receive what God has for you today. Don't worry about what he has for your neighbor. Just think about you right now. And as we pray, I just want you to invite God to come into your life, to come and speak into your spirit this morning. Let's just take a moment, Jesus, 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 we need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus, we need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord, we need you, Lord God. Lord, we pray this morning, Father, Lord, as we prepare to open your word, God, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, Father. God, that you would remove every distraction, God, every anxiety, Father, whatever is causing us not to focus on you right now, God, Lord, that you would just uh, let it cease, Father. Lord, let us hear your word. God, we are in your presence right now. And God, don't let us take that for granted, Father. Lord, don't let us take for granted that we have a freedom. God, that we have a freedom in this nation that we can gather together as we're doing this morning. God, that we can gather together and we can, we can rejoice with one another. We can worship together. We can, we can read your word together, Father. God, just prepare us, Father, Lord, to hear your words. God, to hear your voice. God, prepare us, God, to receive what you have for us this morning. And God, we're going to thank you. We're going to praise you right now, Father. We're going to thank you, Lord, because you were good. You were good, Father. You were loving and you were kind, but God, you, you have a word for us this morning. And God, just help us to hear it with the, with the ears of listening this morning, Father. And we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. 
remain standing this morning. We're going to be reading this morning from Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 1. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? Who will cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see they get justice and quickly. However, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Turn around to your neighbor before you sit down and say, get ready. All right, amen, amen. You know, it's, it was interesting when um, Alan went through and decided which parables we would do, and, and they assigned this one to me. I just want to say, I was like, oh, this will be easy. It's never easy. It's just never easy. And, and I, I really, I, I'll be honest, it's a struggle for me. It's not that I don't desire to do what God's asked me to do, but something happens when I know I'm going to be speaking that, man, the devil just comes after me with everything he's got. And most of it is, you're unworthy. You're unworthy to be up there. And, uh, and I just really struggled. And, I, and I, when I read through this and got a little deeper into it, I was like, Lord, why did you give me this one? This is not going to be fun. Why don't I have the feel-good one? Because I, I really started studying, and I, and I tried to make it go that direction. And uh, I sat down with Alan the other night, and we were talking through, and the Lord just really encouraged me to kind of take a different perspective. And so I want to do that this morning. I want to encourage you right now to just to stay open to the Lord. Okay, let's just stay open to what the Lord has to say to us this morning. You know, in looking at parables, the first thing we always want to look at is who is the audience that Jesus was talking to. And in this situation, in this parable, it tells us in the very beginning, it says, Jesus, then Jesus told his disciples. So he was having a conversation with his 12 disciples. So, so we know who the audience was. It wasn't a crowd of 5,000 or 10,000. It wasn't the multitude. This was to the 12 disciples. And he says... To them, he said to, that they should always pray and not give up. To get a little bit more context for this, because what intrigued me was that in Luke 1, it says, then Jesus told them. So when it said, then Jesus told them, I thought, okay, well, he must have said something before then. So what did he say to them before this? And so I went back and looked at chapter 17. To get a little bit more context for why he was having this conversation with them. And in chapter 17, we see that Jesus was traveling 
on his way to Jerusalem. So basically, they were on a summer road trip, okay? And you know how that is. Are we there yet? So a lot of time for conversation because they were going by foot. And, uh, and so you know there was some time that they were having conversation, asking questions, you know, Jesus, why this? Jesus, why that? You know, and Jesus talking to them. And, and Jesus knowing that his time here on earth was very limited, he wanted to have as much impact in their lives as he could. And so he, in, in chapter 17, starting with verse 22, I just want to kind of back up and read a little bit of that to you this morning. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will want to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. Men will tell you, There it is, here it is, do not go running after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning, which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building, But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It was just like this on the day. It it will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who was on the roof of his house with goods inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Remember Lot's wife, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, on that night, two people will be in bed, one will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding grain, one will be taken, and the other left. And where, Lord, they asked, and he replied, where there is a dead body, there, there the vultures will gather. And then it jumps right into to, to, uh, 18, where it says, then... Jesus told the disciples. It's, it's really interesting that Jesus refers to these two stories in the Old Testament when he refers to the days of Noah. And for any of you that know the story or don't know the story, I want to encourage you to go to Genesis. This is found in Genesis chapter 6 where, you know, God had created the world in Genesis 1, created man and 2, woman, and then sin entered the world and, and things were happening, but it was not going well. And man was not fearing God or loving God. And, and as we read, and we're going to read here in a moment in Genesis, but I want to encourage you to go and look at this so you get a full understanding of what the days of Noah looked like. Okay, But it says, in, in starting in, six, uh, with, in verse 5, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth. And his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race that I have created. And with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. 
What's really interesting there, if you read in Genesis chapter 1 at the very end, when God created the world, the plants and the animals, he looked and he saw this was good. He said, this is good. And then he created man. But it's interesting that what God had thought was good had become, all of a sudden, he regretted doing it. But in chapter, in verse 8, it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And as we know, God had Noah build the ark. Noah and his family were preserved along with one, of, uh, one male and one female of each animal. And then from there, God repopulated the earth. He also references to the days of Lot in the city of Sodom. And for those of you that know that story, if you don't, I want to encourage you because it's just about eight chapters down in, uh, in Genesis uh, 17, I think, where it talks about Lot going to the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah was filled with perversion and sin, and men were living how they wanted to live. They had no regard for God. They did not fear God, did not love God, and they were sinning against God. And once again, God did not find any good in Sodom. And it says, as, as Lot left, God caused fire and sulfur to come down and to burn Sodom and Gomorrah to the ground. It's interesting that Jesus tells them in verse 26, just as it was in the days of Noah, it will be in the days of the Son of Man. Just as it was in the day of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. People living with no fear of God people living to their own wills and their own wishes and desires. Jesus said in verse 34 there in chapter 17 that on that night two will be in bed and one will be taken and the other left behind. Two in the field, one taken and one left behind. Here Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he's prophesying that one day I will come back. I will come back. And he's letting them know that not everyone is going to be found faithful. That's hard. Boy, that's a hard word. You know, when I read this, what was so interesting to me about Jesus has this very important conversation with the disciples. And it reminds me of as a parent, sometimes when you're trying to tell your children something important and you're wanting them to listen and you're like, hey, look up here, look up here, listen to me, pay attention. I want to tell you something important. And as a parent, I can remember sometimes my kids just, I could tell they were not paying attention. And it's like, hey, look, listen to me. What I'm telling you is of great importance. And Jesus has been having this conversation with the disciples, and it's like they weren't getting it. They weren't getting it. And so we jump right into 18 where it says, Then Jesus said to the disciples. So now he's like he's got to bring out the visual aids. <laughs> so, you know, he didn't have a PowerPoint presentation. He didn't have, you know, a chalkboard or an eraser board. So he has to do, use parables to speak to them a way that they can really wrap their head around it. Real life, real life application. So he goes from having this very difficult, challenging, important conversation with them, telling them about what it will be like, helping them to understand how to recognize when those days are coming, how to understand. They knew about Noah. They knew about the days of Noah. They knew about Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he's telling them when it is like those days, then the Son of Man will be revealed again. And so he jumps right into chapter 18 where he says, you know, tells them, you must always pray and not give up. 
There's three things I want us to take away from this parable today. And if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not, I want to encourage you to bring pen and paper. God may want to say something to you. Okay? The first thing I want to say is we must pray regarding all matters until Jesus comes. We must pray regarding all matters. Not some matters, but all matters. Does that mean big, small, important, little things? Yet yeah, all things. We should pray about all things. Romans 12, 12 says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Ephesians 6, 18, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Not some occasions, but all occasions. And with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying for all the saints. See, I don't see some in there or when you feel like it. All, all, pray all. Have faith all the time. We just recently did a Bible study with the women uh, from the book called She Prays by Debbie Lindell. It was a 30-day devotional, and it was just really, God. I, th I know God spoke to a lot of the women in our church. Different ones came and shared different stories of just how God was revealing himself to them through just the, the word and through the book and just the words that she had to say. But I want to read you something she says from the book. It's, she says, Debbie Lindell, the author, she says, Do we recognize that the most important thing that we can learn as believers is how to communicate with our Creator God? Do we realize that everything Jesus experienced through His relationship with His Father God is ours as well to embrace and enjoy? You can never achieve or possess or buy any knowledge that will have a greater impact on your life. Jesus knew that prayer affects everything. Every circumstance we face, every difficulty we walk through, every relationship we need help with, prayer provides both wisdom and guidance to know what to do and the answers for the future. Jesus' new prayer is what connects the believer to the power and the wisdom of God. Prayer is communication with God. It's not about how many words you say. It's about communicating with God. And I want you to know communication is not just talking. It's also listening. Now, I said earlier I've been married for 39 years. And in that 39 years, Alan and I have had done a lot of talking. I can tell you that. Now, there's been a few occasions I didn't talk to him, but we're not going to talk about that today, okay? <laughs> no, when we were first married, those conversations were more about, what's your favorite ice cream? Or what, how many kids should we have? Or, you know, where should we, you know, go on vacation? We were, he was laughing the other day that, uh, about, we was, he was telling my, uh, my sister this story. Our first year of marriage, we'd probably been married about four months. My mom and dad gave us a gift of $1,000. Now, I'm talking 1983, okay? So $1,000 was a lot of money to us. We instantly ran to the store and bought ourselves an Atari. <laughs> My mom was so mad. <laughs> she was so upset with us that we had spent some of that money on an Atari. Uh, but we had a lot of conversations. Over the years, those conversations have grown. 
we begin to reveal more of our heart to one of another. We begin, sometimes those conversations were hard. Sometimes we were confessing things to each other. But through those conversations, it became, there was a lot of grace in there, a lot of love, a lot of forgiveness. And, and as we begin to conversate, we begin to grow closer together. And now it's like we know what each other's thinking. No, we still have to have a conversation. It never gets old. I want to know what's going on in his heart. He wants to know what's going on in my heart. He wants to know how my day was. I want to know how his day was. We have to continue to have conversation if we want to grow that relationship. If you want to grow your relationship with God, you've got to have some conversation with God. It's not going to happen on its own. And that requires us positioning ourselves to not only speak, but also to listen and to listen to what God has to say to us. And it's interesting that Jesus told the disciples, pray continuously. What he was telling them, have conversation with God continuously. When you get in the car, have you ever gotten in the car and you get to the grocery store and you're like, oh, Lord, give me a good parking spot. It's okay. It's, he wants those little silly conversations. You know what? Or just when you're really having a rough day, just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you just to show up right now. I need some peace right now. Lord, just calm this situation right now. You know, those are conversations that we should be having all through the day. The, the second thing that we need to learn is that we should not give up. Can you say that? Not give up. Now that, that didn't sound like you meant it. Say it again. Not give up. Amen. Amen. The widow did not allow the circumstances of her life to keep her from being persistent. Persistence is defined as the ability to stick with something. You know, I really enjoy hearing Gary play the piano. And I can tell you, when I was a child, I took piano lessons. But I didn't stick with it. In order to learn something and to be good at something, you have to be persistent. You have to continue to want to learn more and to know more. And I'm sure that from where he started and where he is today, he has really grown in his gifting. And we're, we are the benefit of that blessing and have his persistence to learn and to be able to read those notes and to play and to hear the melody. Persistence is necessary if we're going to have faith and live the faith, the life of faith that God is looking for. Hebrews 10.36 says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And what has he promised? Eternal life with him. When my son Zach was about four or five, I don't know why he's the easiest to talk about, but he really was just... I mean, he was like our unexpected child, but a really true blessing in our life. And I, from the moment I knew that he was in my womb, and I knew that he was a boy, I knew that his name would be Zachary, which means God has remembered. But I want to tell you something about him. He was about four or five years old, and he loved these little soldiers. And we would buy them, and they would have these little pieces, you know, like they'd have swords or shields and helmets and and he would carry them around in this little backpack. Everywhere he went, the, the nursery workers used to get so tickled at him. He was about the size of Eleanor. He's about two, and he'd come in carrying this backpack. And it, it weighed about as much as he did. But he'd pack all his stuff in there. And so he had gotten this new little soldier, and we went to put him to bed one night. 
and he was like, um, he was crying, and I was like, what's wrong, son? And he goes, I can't find my man's little sword. <laughs> and uh, I was like, here we go, you know, and so I was like, you know what, don't worry about it, we'll find it in the morning. Now, as a mother of a four-year-old, and this was our third child, I kind of knew that sometimes what was important in this moment would not be important in the morning. At least that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> so I got up in the morning, there he was. Mom, did you find my man's little sword? <laughs> no, I did not. Mom, you said that we would find it in the morning. Yes, I did. <laughs> so guess what? Mom was down on her hands and knees searching that room until we found the man's little sword because I knew he was not going to give up. He was my tapper. He would come up and go, Mom, 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 Mom. I learned early on that he was persistent, that he was persistent. The third thing that we need to learn, we need to learn where to go to find justice. The widow came to the place where justice was dispensed, to the one that had the authority and the power. As believers, we know that there is a just God and that we do not need to go to someone who thinks they know justice. We need to go to God. And, and it's really, to me, it's so, you know, when you read these parables and you think, you know, why did Jesus use a widow? Why did he just not say there was a man? There was a woman, you know, there was a rich man, there was a poor man. He says a widow. And this, in, in the Bible, a widow was someone that was really thought of much like a very poor person or a, a homeless person. Because once their spouse died, no one was there to care for them. And so her circumstances were not great. She really did not have good, a good situation going on in her life. But she did not allow that to keep her from being persistent and, and, pers and being persistent in her pursuit to get justice against her adversary. Now, it doesn't give us any details about what was going on in her life. It doesn't say who the adversary was, what they were doing to her. It just says that she was persistent in her request that the judge grant her justice against this adversary. And it's really, to me, it's, it's in, when you think about it, she went to where she knew the person that could make a difference. She didn't go to her neighbors and say, did you know that my adversary did this? You know what? She didn't go to her coworkers and say, you're not going to believe what happened to me. My adversary, he's just really been, I, I just, I can't even tell you what else has been happening. She didn't get on social media. She didn't put it up on Facebook how wrong she had been so that everybody would know. Nope. She went to the judge. Even though he was unjust, she knew he was the one that could grant her justice. She was persistent in her pursuit. We are living in a world right now that is very challenging to live in our faith. There is this spirit of antichrist, and when I say antichrist, I mean against Christ, that, that really is against Christians. In John 15, 18 through 20, Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to this world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to this world I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. 
Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. We need to be willing to go to the one who will bring justice to this sinful world that we live in. Luke 18, 7, Jesus said to the disciples, and will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Jesus ends this parable with a question when he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith upon the earth? What does it mean to have faith, the faith that Jesus is looking for? And why is it so critical to our life as a Christian? Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Faith is defined as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Hebrews 11:6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Surprisingly, the English word for faith only appears in the Old Testament twice. It comes from two closely related words that mean faithful, trusting, or trustworthy. But in the New Testament, it appears 245 times. And it comes from the Greek word pistis, meaning a moral conviction or reliance on God as well as an assurance on him. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. Hebrews 10, 38, But my righteous will live by faith. And 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We need faith. It's the foundation. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. Faith is what gives us the strength not to give up. In Matthew 24, 10 through 13, Jesus was prophesying and he said, At that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. When I read that, it grieves my heart. Because what that is really saying, and, and, and when we read that last little part in 17 where he talks about, where he says, where there is a dead, where there is a dead body, the vultures will gather. You know, we live here in Texas, and I, I can remember the first time I ever saw turkey vultures. I was like, good God, what is that? <laughs> I mean, for real used to drive down the 1431 before a lot of the construction, and there would be a, a dead deer or something on the road. And these enormous birds gathered around. There's nothing pretty about them. I mean, they really are very hideous looking. I looked up, where do they live? Like, where do these big, giant, ugly birds live? Because they just appear out of nowhere. Like, one day in our, in our neighborhood, there was like a dead rabbit on the road, and there was about six of them gathered around it. And I'm like, right here in the middle of the neighborhood. 
They just show up. It's like they, they know when there's a dead body. That's their job is to devour dead things on the road, I guess. And, and, and what Jesus was saying to them in that verse is where, where there is spiritually dead people, there will also be vultures. The enemy knows. He knows when your heart is growing cold. He knows when you don't pick up the word. He knows when you're not praying. He knows when you're weak. And that's when he prays upon us. And that's what Jesus was saying to the disciples. You need to pray continuously. And you should not give up. You need to stay faithful. You need to stay on your knees. You need to stay in the word. You need to stay connected to the Father. You need to keep your faith alive in him. You do not let, need to let your faith grow cold. You do not need to let your spirit get weak. You need to stay faithful in him. You need to stay firm in him. You need to ground yourself in the word of God. Know what the word of God says and ground your spirit there. The last part of that verse says, but the one who stands firm till the end will be saved. Amen. 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 I'm going to ask the worship team to come this morning. And you know, when I, when I said to you in the beginning that this was, this was kind of a little bit of a harder word to share it's also an important word because we are living in a time, I want you to go home and read about the days of Noah and read about Sodom and then just think about the time we live in right now. Jesus didn't give us a day, a month, a year, an hour, but he said that we should just watch because when those days are like the days of Noah. We're living in a time that... I would have never dreamed of some of the things that we're seeing right now. I remember when we were first married, Alan was reading a book by David Wilkerson. And Alan, what was that book called? Set the Trumpet to Thy Mouth. And, and I remember him reading some parts to me out of it. This was like a prophetic book that God had really given this minister a, like a vision. And I'm talking 1983. We didn't have cell phones. We had a phone on the wall with a big old long cord that you could drag around the house. And if you're lucky enough, you might have had a cordless phone. But we didn't have cell phones. We, this was the very beginning phases of computer, and most people didn't have them because you couldn't afford them. They were so big. I remember one time taking a computer class, and they took us to, this, uh, to, to, to view this company. It was like one of the companies there in town, and they had a big room where they kept all of the servers and they it was a huge room and they had to keep it cold and everything now we all have a computer in our hand but I remember him reading something in this book and he was just like you got to hear this I mean think about us like we this was just not in our I mean we didn't know about iPods we didn't know about you know Apple music or any of that stuff you know we had to play our cassette tapes and he reads this part about, you know, he says that, you know, he's prophesying that there will come a day that pornography will be in every home. And I remember saying to him, how can that happen? How can that happen? Because in those days, if you wanted to, to view pornography, you had to go to the outskirts of town. But every one of us have a, the ability to access it. And at that point in my life, I had no idea that that kind of evil would in gulf our land but it has it is this is what we're living in 
And you know, when Jesus said this word to the disciples, he said, look, your job is to pray continuously. You know what? He said, you pray just as persistent as the widow was. It doesn't matter your circumstance. It doesn't matter if your life is perfect, if it's good, if you've got the great job, if you've got the car. You pray regardless of your situation. You pray and you pray persistently. You pray faithfully. And don't give up. Prayer is what holds back the kingdom of darkness. And you know, in this, in this day and age we live in, God is calling us to pray. He is calling his church to prayer. Now, I believe that he has called some to be a voice that speaks beyond us, but for the most of us, our job is to pray continuously and not give up. Amen? Amen. 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 Jesus is saying to us today, pray continuously and not give up. He's coming back. And will he find faith upon the earth? I want him to find faith here. I want him to find faith in you. I want him to find a passion in you that you didn't give up. Church, we need to, we need to pray. We've got to pray. We've got to push back. Let me tell you something. That little widow who had nothing, she made something happen because of her persistence. And that's what God's saying to you today. You know what? Just be persistent in prayer. It's going to change things. We're going to stand together this morning, and, and I've asked them to, to play a song that is a um, song I grew up on. Actually, this is a song. My dad loved this song, and um, I remember as he was passing, Alan and I singing this song over him. But we need to get back to a place where we fear God. And I don't mean fear Him like we're afraid of Him, but that we, we live to please Him. That we live knowing what His Word says. That we've not just picked a verse that's, that says what we want it to say, but we know what the whole chapter says. We know it in context. And sometimes that's not what we want to hear, but it's what we need. It's what we need. And we need to get back to a point where we are really acknowledging how great He is and how awesome He is. And that we're, we were created to worship Him. That we were created to love Him. That we were created in His image. And as we sing this morning, I want you just to ask yourself those questions Am I living a life of faith right now? Am I praying and not giving up? And you know, I grew up with altars where we had these wooden altars that you would come. And I can remember crying at those altars. And I can remember watching people I loved pray around those altars. And I know we don't have altars here in our church, but we do. This, this is his church. <laughs> And we make an altar wherever we, wherever we are. If we're standing, we're sitting. But I want to encourage you this morning. For some of you, it's time to make that decision. It's time to say, God, I want that faith. I want to make a commitment to you that says, I'm all in. 
I'm all in. I've been tipping my toe in, but God, I'm ready to get all in. I don't understand it all. I'm not even sure what's the Old Testament or New Testament, but God, I, I want to get in. And if that's you this morning, I want you just to, to make that bold step. And I know that it's, it's like, why do we have to do that? I believe that, that it's, it's just a sign of our faith starting, that you know what, God, I want to trust you. And, and you're in a loving place here. This is a place where we love you and we're here to support you. And if you want to make that decision today, Alan is going to be here in the front to pray with you, but I would love for you to come forward. If you, if you don't feel comfortable coming forward, pray in your seat and just say, Father, I need you. Father, I need you. I want your forgiveness. I want to be all in. I want to be all in today. And for the rest of you that are standing, for some of you, it's grown cold. You've grown cold. You've become very accustomed just to the routine of it, and it's lost its meaning. And I want to encourage you this morning. Say, God, I'm all in again. I may have stepped out, but I'm back. And Lord, this time it's, it's I'm going to stay. And Lord, I want to grow. I want to talk with you. I want to hear you. God, I want to be persistent in my prayer. I, I don't want to, I'm not going to give up. And Lord, if there's some things I need to change in my life that I need to get my house in order, then Lord, I'm going to do it. God, I'm going to do it because I love you and I want to be obedient to you. And God, I want to be faithful to you, Father. So whatever your need is this morning, if you want to receive Christ this morning, if you just want prayer because you're ready to really allow God to come back into your life in a way that really is, sets you back on that path of being passionate for Him and persistent, then come forward. Whatever you feel comfortable doing or you feel like God is asking you to do, do it. But as we sing this morning, church, let's just exalt Him this morning and sing from our heart.